You may be seated. This beautiful spirit of God will not leave us even as we move into the word. For those of you that are new with us, let me give you just a brief word with regard to communion or Eucharist. The scriptures are very clear. We've not as religious people always made it very clear, but the scriptures are very clear that communion is not how we are saved. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes explicitly and said, you are saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift from God, not of works, not of what you do, lest you would boast. The moment any action we take, even if in obedience to God's command, the moment we think that that action is what saves us, that should be a red flag, a clanging bell that tells us that is not how I am saved. For anything that I can take credit for, anything that I can somehow take glory in, God has specifically precluded that from being a part of how I'm saved. He alone is the Savior. Amen? So what then is communion? If it is not a part of our salvation, what then is it? And why is it that it has for so long been declared to be a part of salvation? And if not explicitly, implicitly, hidden away to be somehow controlled and only those who are deemed worthy have the right to take of communion. If this is an inaccurate understanding of communion, if this is not biblical, then what is communion? Communion is very simply the celebration of what God did. It's the exact opposite of what we have many times made it. It's all about his efficacy, not ours. It's all about his perfection, not ours. It's all about the fact that he has not sinned, not ours. It's all about him. When we take this bread, Jesus said, and when we drink of the cup, we're remembering. Not remembering what we did, remembering what he did. And so you are in a church that I understand we're a little different. And you may have already gotten a little bit of that vibe. Our worship may not be what you're used to. We're a little louder, a little more demonstrative. You may have heard some of us speaking in a language that you're wondering, are we really that international? No, actually, we're not. We're just spirit-filled, and we speak in other tongues as God gives us the utterance. But we're also a church that invites anyone who is willing to celebrate, even if they're not yet being obedient. If they're willing to celebrate what Jesus did for all of humanity, then we invite you to participate in communion. And as you will hear in my sermon this morning, we hope that as you celebrate communion, as you declare what God did for you in human form, perhaps that will be the start of a work in you, that at a later point you will be able to declare, my God has done a great work in my life. You cannot be worthy, but he can make you worthy. You and I do not have the ability 
to make ourselves worthy. All have sinned, the Apostle Paul writes. The very same Paul that gave the injunction to the Corinthian church not to treat one another inappropriately because in so doing, they cannot then celebrate the Lord's Supper. They cannot give thanks for the body that was broken and the blood that was shed if at the same time they're treating their brother or their sister, their neighbor, with disdain and disrespect. That same Paul said, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We're not here to condemn you in that. We're here to invite you to celebrate he who knows you fall short and yet died for you so that you can be made his brother. We're here to introduce you, if you don't already know him, to the God who loves you enough that he would die for you before you've made a single commitment to him. We're here to introduce you to our Savior, and his name is Jesus. And so today and this service is very apostolic in the way that the book of Acts looks at it. In fact, the book of Acts, we find that they celebrated communion in the midst of a meal. So most of our communions, in fact, are followed by potlucks. It's probably practically impractical for us the way we assemble to eat communion in the midst of a meal. So this is our approximation of getting there. We eat and celebrate the communion, and then we go and we eat and celebrate the food. Why? Because Jesus told us every time you take some bread and every time you drink of the vine, you'll be remembering what I did for you. And we are just simple enough folks to believe that when you remember what he did for you, you might obey what he told you to do. If you're reminded of what he did for you, that might be just enough to call you to a place of repentance. If you remember what he did for you with no strings attached and no promise that you would be obedient, that might be enough to call you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we welcome you to that. We exist for no other purpose than to bear witness to what Jesus has done in our lives and to invite you to let him do something in yours. Can the church say amen? Amen. amen. I have one single verse of scripture for you this morning. It is Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. This verse sits in the middle of Paul's introductory remarks, as he always does in his letters, giving thanks to God and giving thanks for the people that he's writing to. And in verse number six, he says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I am certain that God will finish his work. This morning I want to spend just a few minutes before we celebrate communion talking to you about the finished work. The finished work. Gus, my apologies in advance. I've had a number of you 
very respectfully and very tactfully slide up to me and say, Pastor, is that all you're doing? You haven't used the words, the finished work, but that's what you're asking. Is that, is that it? Like, is that the way it's going to stay? Is, is, are you done? And of course, those of you that have, and I know there's many more of you who have thought it and simply gone home and not said a word. You've just thought to yourself, I ain't touching that. I'm not asking a question about that. I don't know what's going on with that, but I'll just keep watching. But some of you braver ones have come up and said, Pastor, is that it? Well, what's, what's going on? And I've smiled and looked at you and said, no, 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 no. And if you were brave enough to come and ask me, then I, I tell you a little bit more of what the plans are because you're watching something that's in the middle. It's not finished. It's an unfinished work. So with apology to Gus, who's partially finished work is sitting before you and more future finished work will be coming. This is a lot like us. I mean, it's good work. It's just not finished. It's not poor work. It's just not done. If you've ever been critical of Christians, I'm here today to tell you that you've got to cut us a break because we are not done. We are an unfinished work. There's good plans, but it takes time to get there. There's things that take time to put into motion. There's ideas that when we get done, everybody will go, wow, that was awesome. We hope. With God, I can tell you with certainty, when you step through the pearly gates and the finished work is revealed, I promise you, you're going to say, wow, that was worth waiting on. That was worth putting up with. I'm certainly not comparing Gus and, and my plans to the pearly gates. So leave the standard at a reasonable level. But again, an unfinished work, it takes time. It's a process. There are pieces that go in. It doesn't happen, voila. Uh, Desi and Rachel are returning from conference. They're visiting some friends in Louisville, so I really wanted to use this when Rachel was here, but she's not, so I'll just do it on the video and she can watch it later. But Desi and I and, and others like to tease Rachel because Rachel is a dreamer. Rachel is an ideas person. Okay, we used to think Leela was off the chain on ideas. Rachel takes it to a whole nother level. Do you agree, Lil? Lil is so pragmatic and so practical by comparison. I did not say Lil was practical and pragmatic. I said by comparison. She's an ideas person too. You need ideas people. But Rachel has this little mannerism that she does. She does it within her marriage, and now as she works on the pastoral team, we all get to get the blessing of it as well. She'll cast the vision. She'll have the idea, and then when she's run out of specificity, her hand will go in the air. You'll get two flourishes, 
as if do it. Make it so. Voila. Bob's your uncle. And those of us of a more pragmatic nature, or at least the ones responsible to take the vision and make it reality, we scratch our heads sometimes and go, ah, uh, we need some more. And we just get that. <laughs> and I, I wonder if sometimes the relationship with God doesn't feel a little bit more like Rachel than we would like. He paints this picture of what I'm going to be. And boy, I am a far cry from it. He tells us these plans. The operation of the gifts of the Spirit within me. The fruit of the Spirit present in my life. But wow, I fall short. <laughs> I, I'm not quite there. I really do think you're going to like when we get done with everything up here on the platform. But I get it. It don't look like much. It's a big white wall. Again, apologies, Gus. Hang with me, buddy. We're on the same page. I know they're not, but we are. It's a big white wall. Most of you don't even know what's happening. Like, at all. You have no idea what's going on back here. You're like, the stage just shrunk. And we don't have a foggy idea why it shrunk. What's he doing behind the wall? What's going behind the wall? What's happening to the cross? Everything looks weird. And I don't know if in your walk with God, you've ever looked in the mirror, both literally but also spiritually, and go, God, what are you doing? You've ripped out things that I thought looked pretty good. You put in things that look rather odd. And it looks like a construction zone. Thank you, Angela, for not letting him leave it a construction zone. Angela cleaned it up after him. I think that's what I heard, that she cleaned it up. Is that right, Gus? My experience is you construction guys aren't very good at cleaning. I'll spread the wealth around. When Brother Brian's doing a project around the church... I always somehow get word to him. Now, Brian, make sure you clean up. Now, I'm, I'm uber clean, so I, I, you know, I clean while I work. That's why I don't do much construction, because all of the mess causes me angst. I can't take the construction. That's why, Gus, I didn't tell you, but that's why I didn't want to be here while you were doing it. You don't want me here while you're doing it. Trust me. Take the vision. Get the specifics. Tell me to go away. And I think that that response is sometimes the way we respond to the work of God. Because whereas you all are passively watching a wall be built and you don't know what's happening and, and so on and so forth, it's actually not impacting your day-to-day -day life. But imagine you lived in this space. 
And God comes in and he takes stuff out and he breaks things down and he tears things up and he puts something in and, and suddenly you're going, God, what are you doing? And, and, and God, what is happening here? And, and God, I, I, there's so much yet to do. And the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, he tells the Philippian church, he says, I am certain. Boy, that's a strong term. I am certain. Not I think, not I hope. Not it's been promised. I am certain that God. Now, I want everybody to recognize something. Yes, the subject of the sentence is Paul. I am certain that God. But the actor in this verse is not Paul. And the actor in this verse is not the Philippian Christians. The actor in this verse is God. I'm here today to tell somebody that when it comes to this gospel business, when it comes to the promise of salvation, when it comes to the the call to become his child, the prime actor is not the preacher, and the prime actor is not the church, and the prime actor is not you. The prime actor is God. I could stop right now and preach to you from those words alone. I am certain that God. Anytime God's in the mix, you can be certain. Anytime God is present, you can be certain. Anytime God is involved, you can be certain. There's a certainty. This God is the God who speaks things which do not yet exist as if they already exist. In those moments where Rachel flutters her hand, she almost is channeling God. I've spoken it. Let it be. (laughs) The only problem is, as much as I love Rachel, she ain't God. And neither are Desi or Lil or me or Russ or any number or Rosh or Meg or any of the rest of us that try to make Rachel's dreams come true. But when God speaks, when God speaks, it's certain. It's certain. When the scriptures tell us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, it's certain. It's not debatable. It's not negotiable. It's not a question mark. It's certain. But I want to go one step further for the church as well as our guests and those of you that are in various places of your relationship with God. I need you to hear me. No matter what the story behind, however many years or a few short weeks it's been in your story that has you sitting here today, Please hear me. You didn't start the story. Your neighbor didn't start the story. Your friend didn't start the story. They may have had a role. They may have played a part. They may have been an instrument, but you need to understand something. I am certain that God, who began the good work. 
You don't start this. He does. You do not provide the ability for this to happen. He does. He has known you from the moment that an egg and a sperm joined together and the breath of life entered into that embryo and you became a living soul. He's known you from that moment. And I would dare say that yes, we all by scripture are told that we have free will and we have choice. And because of that free will and because of that choice, you and I can tell God no. But please understand that when God first spoke into you, from the moment of your conception, he has begun to work in you. Paul writes to the Philippians and says, I am certain. I have absolute confidence that he who began this good work within you will continue his work. He'll keep on building. He'll keep on calling. He'll keep on reaching. You see, we have an image of a God who set out rules and sits off at a distance and says, prove yourself. And that image is wrong. Even as it relates to communion, we need to somehow be able to hand to God, hand to God our card that shows why we are worthy to declare what he has done. Why we are worthy to give thanks for what he has done. It's bad theology. It's unbiblical belief. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, but if you're looking for religion, you came to the wrong place. I only have the Bible for you. I do not come to you with culture. Culture submits itself in this place to the Bible. I'm sorry. It's present because humans are present, but the Bible reigns supreme in this place. If it isn't in the Bible, then it doesn't have the same authority. I didn't tell you that we can't have our own opinions, but it's not. Your opinion is not God's word. Your background is not God's word. Your socioeconomic experiences are not God's word. Good, bad, and ugly, it's not God's word. What reigns supreme is the expression and the revelation of who God is in the scriptures as he interacts with other people. And there is nothing in the Bible that gives us anything about earning our way to heaven. It's simply not present. Jesus, in the midst of his discourse with Nicodemus, made this statement. If you'll lift me up, probably prefiguring the cross, but then pointing to us as disciples, if you will lift me up, I will draw. I will draw. I will begin the work. 
I will draw the men, the women, the boys, the girls. I will draw them to me. I will draw them. I understand that there is a story. I know somebody probably invited you today, but I need you to understand something. The work that is happening in your heart and your mind right now did not begin with that part of the story. It began before you were aware of it. It began before you even had cognizance. It began with a God. And Paul says, I am certain that that God who began this work within you will be the one who will keep on working on it until it is finished when he comes again. I do not have that level of certainty that this wall will look better. I do not have that level of certainty that the project we have planned for the platform will turn out the way we hope that it does. I don't have that level of certainty. I have hope, and I make a promise we're going to do our best, but I'm here today to tell you that I have certainty that the work that God has begun within you, he will keep on working on it. He will keep on building it until the day that he has finished his work. Only question is whether you fight him or cooperate with him. That's the only question. See, we've for too long painted a picture that in rejecting God, God goes away with hurt feelings like we do, sits in the corner, sucks his thumb, and feels rejected. I know you probably haven't thought of God that way, but you think about it a little bit. God gets nasty. God throws temper tantrums. God gets an attitude. Because that's what we do. Oh, you all don't do that? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yes, we do. We may not get on the floor and kick our feet, but we throw our adult temper tantrums. We go pout. Slam doors. Etc. Etc. Come on, you can fill in the blanks. You know how you are. We're all just big babies. God didn't do that. Do you know what happens when you reject God? He plots against you. Now, when I say plots against you, you need to understand something. You're immediately assuming, oh, God's mad, so he's going to destroy me. Oh, no, 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 no. He plots against you to save you. Because he already paid for you. He already paid the ultimate price. He has made an investment that he doesn't get a return on. So he's going to plot against you. He's going to run after you. He's going to seek for you. He's going to keep working on you. Oh, you! I'm sorry, but you're not getting anywhere. You think you can run from God? Oh, you can run, but he'll be running right on you. You try to outrun God. He got really long legs. You try to outrun God. He got stamina like you haven't ever seen. You try to outrun God. You'll find out what happens. Oh, no, this is a God who doesn't sleep. This is a God who doesn't need food. This is a God who's everywhere at once. You think you outran him, and boom, you're face to face with him. You go to the mountains, he's there. You go to the valleys, he's there. You hide in the caves, he's there. You go in the sinful places, he'll show up there. You can go to the most sinful places, and he'll use another sinner to speak to you. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't run from this God. He will find you wherever you're at. Not because he wants to hurt you, but because he loves you. <laughs> he loves you with a love that knows no end. That's why his mercies are new every morning. You're his child. 
I know how much I love my children. And I only met them the moment that they exited their mother's womb. God's their father in a manner that goes way beyond that. He knew them from the moment he first and they became a living soul. Paul says to the Philippian church, he says, I'm certain. I'm certain that God that began a good work in you will keep on working till he's done. So this morning, to all of you who may be you're being honest with yourself. And you've looked in a mirror and you're going, hmm. This is a mess. I can't even tell what he's doing. Can I bring you a word of encouragement? He who began it will finish it. Just don't fight him. Just, just give him permission to. Just let him, let him rip up what he needs to rip up. Let him build what he needs to build. Let him tear down what he needs to tear down. Let him paint what he needs to paint. Just, just let him work. And if you happen to be here today and you, you, you hadn't thought about God in the way that I've expressed it to you, I'd ask you to consider maybe life and maybe the project will go a little better if you actually acknowledged what's actually already happening. See, we, we preachers too long, we talk to those of you who don't know Christ or who have not given your lives to Christ in repentance, in baptism, in his name, and in the infilling of the Spirit. You, you, we talk to you as if you, you know nothing of God and God hasn't yet started and you're just a blank slate, but that's not the case. He's already been working in your life. He's already been talking to you even if you didn't know it was his voice. He's been talking to you since you were in your mother's womb. He's been whispering in your ear from the moment you came out of your mother's womb. He's been talking to you through life circumstances. He's been working in you already. But the work can go a little smoother, and the work can go a little faster, and the work makes a lot more sense. When we acknowledge and say, okay, God, you're working in me. Do your work. Please understand Apostolic Pentecostal for just a moment before I close and we turn to celebrating part of that work. Please understand something. I believe in the new birth experience. And I live the new birth experience. I am repented. I went down to the baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission and forgiveness and removal of my sins. There is salvation in no other name. 
I am filled with his spirit and I speak in other tongues as he gives me the utterance. This project won't work without this wall. But this wall is not the project. This work God's doing in people's lives, it won't work without the new birth experience. It simply won't work. You can't pull it out and put something else in. But this project is more than a new birth experience. This project predates the moment of new birth experience and it goes well past the moment of new birth experience. Just because you've repented of your sins or been baptized in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus or received the Holy Ghost, I need you to understand it's a great looking white wall, but boy, we gotta do something more with it. There's gotta be other things that are happening. There's gotta be an ongoing work as God works in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. Don't boil God down to a simple white wall. Essential, necessary, but not sufficient. It's not all there is to it. In fact, God goes a lot further. If you're struggling to be obedient in repentance or obedient in baptism or obedient in the Holy Ghost, well, you go and you struggle and God will work with you. But I'm telling you, those are the easy things to obey him on. Oh, no, 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 no. Those are the easy things. You say, talking in tongues, that's weird. You people are babblers. You, you, oh, my goodness, I'm an educated person. Well, so am I. Put my title slide up. I don't know why I'm doing this because I don't like doing it. Put my title slide up. You see my name there? I have a bona fide right to put doctor in front of it. I have a PhD. But I'm filled with the spirit of almighty God. And he chose that it was by speaking in a language I don't understand to prove to me that he's in me. So don't hide behind your education. Don't hide behind your ignorance. Don't hide behind your race or ethnicity. Don't hide behind your socioeconomic background. Don't hide behind all that because all of that is stuff that's happened after God already began working in you. He knows you from your mother's womb. Keith, I've known you a lot of years, but he's known you longer. You can hide from me, but you can't hide from him. You can put on a good front. I look pretty good. See if I button this shoe up. By the way, all of you think I'm losing weight? Nope, I just get my suits cut right. <laughs> it's amazing what a suit cut right does. It can take a rather portly gentleman and make him look pretty slim. <laughs> and all you gentlemen who wear suits, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those tailors know what they're doing. They, they, they tug it around and they make sure it, it helps cover up. I look pretty good. I can present myself well. God knows exactly what I weigh. God knows exactly what I look like. He stri- In fact, the scriptures even talk about it both physically and spiritually. God strips us naked. We are naked in his eyes. He sees everything, and he still loves you. 
He's not impressed by the degrees that are on my wall, nor by the foolishness I've done. He's not impressed by the success that I've had, nor the pain that I've experienced, because he knows me. He knows me intimately, and he has begun a work in me long before I was even aware of him. And I am certain that the God who began that work will keep on working and bring it to completion. So the question that I have for you is very simple. Will you let God finish your work? He's already begun it. You didn't really have a choice about that. Sorry. The moment you were conceived, he began working on you. But today, will we let him finish it? Will we let him take what doesn't look like much and turn it into something amazing? Today, if your answer is, like to find out about that, then I invite you to join us in, in communion. Because central to his ability, central to his plan, to make you the completed work that he intended you to be all along is the shedding of his blood and the breaking of his body upon a cross about 2,000 years ago. And when we take bread and when we take grape juice, and we eat it, we remember what he did. Ushers, if you would come and would assist me This part's rather clunky to our guests. I apologize. I've not yet figured out a better way to do this. And so just as we do the offering, we're going to have each section come. If you'll come, this section up this aisle, this section you come across and go back, this section come up this aisle and go out the outside. If you will come to your section, the person who's holding grape juice and holding bread, Rick, if you'll stand here in the center. So if you'd stand, this is the clunky part. I'm sorry for that, but there's nothing we can do that I know of right now to make that more smooth because I do think there's something precious about doing it together. When we eat the bread and we drink the cup together because the reason that it matters is because we are declaring, as Paul said it, the Lord's death until he comes. Why did he die? He died to make a body you and me, on this earth. And so when we do it together, we do it as one body. We do it as brothers and sisters. And so forgive the clunky part here, but if you would come just from the front rows, come and get, come and get cup, and then return to your seat. And in some ways, that which we find uncomfortable, I actually think pleases God as we wait on our brothers and our sisters, as we are inconvenienced on their behalf. All are welcome. If you're ready to show respect unto what he's done, join us. He's already begun the work in you.
does everyone that wants have? Have we left anyone out at all? All right. I read to you from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians. In the midst of his correction of their disrespect of one another, he said, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. He gave it freely. He gave it without any reservation. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, and he said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And then the Apostle Paul says, for every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Would you across this place, by your eating and by your drinking, would you announce and celebrate the Lord's death until he comes? Could we do this together? Would you lift your hands to him and love him and celebrate him right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Oh, yes, we praise and magnify your name for you are great and mighty, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the finished work, Lord. God, we don't see it yet, but we know it's coming because you are faithful. You will complete in us what you have already begun. I worship you and I praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Lord Jesus. I worship you and I praise you and I thank you, Lord. I celebrate you, Lord Jesus. I celebrate your power. I celebrate your love, Lord Jesus. I give thanks to you for your mercy. I give thanks to you for your grace. Oh, we magnify and praise your name, almighty God. We love you this morning. Oh, we announce your death until you come. You've already risen again, Lord, but you are coming back for us. And we celebrate that day, that day when you come and the work that you're working on will be finished. It'll be brought to completion. You will have completed it for you. You are a certainty, oh God. I praise you. I worship you and I thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. I love you, Lord Jesus. Oh, you are great. You are mighty. You are good. And I love you. I love you with everything in me, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. All across this place, would you link hands with the person next to you and just get the sense of how we are all members of this one body. If you need to move, go ahead and move and link hands so that you can feel that we are members of one body, bought by one blood, made apart by one broken body. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you this morning. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters. 
Thank you for your faithfulness and your love for us. Thank you, oh God, for binding us together. Thank you, oh God, for breaking down the walls of partition, oh God. Thank you, God, for letting us be a part of your body, working us into your body, making us members of this body. I worship you and I praise you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, I magnify your name, Jesus. I magnify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So at the risk of being misinterpreted, when you're going through life and you mess up his work, I came up with my cup and I thought about sitting it here because it's a flat surface. But then I thought if I... I dump that over, that purple's going to mess up that pretty white wall. But just like Gus, or rather Gus like him, any stain you put, he can wipe away. Any brokenness that you experience, he can mend it back together. Anything you mess up. This man, I'm not telling you to go out and purposefully sin. I'm not telling you to go out and purposely mess up your life. That's not what I'm telling you. But I'm telling you, he, I am certain, I am with the Apostle Paul, I am certain that God, who began this work in your life, he will continue to work until he's brought it to completion because he's able to do all things exceedingly abundant beyond anything we can imagine or think. He is an awesome Savior. He is an awesome Savior. And I want to let him keep working on me until the finished work has happened. If I haven't repented, I'm going to repent. If I need to be baptized, I'm going to be baptized. If I need his spirit, I'm going to need his spirit. If I need to change how I dress, then I'm going to change how I dress. If I need to clean up my mind, then I'm going to clean up my mind. If I need to change where I go, then I'm going to change where I'm going. I'm going to let him keep working on me. But don't lose hope when you see you're not done yet. I am certain that God, who began... We'll finish it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I am certain. I am certain. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, for all of you that think that I run this place, I got news for you. I do not. I just pastor.